Live from the Golden Circle Sportsbook and Bar inside the Treasure Island Hotel and Casino, it's Throw the Flag with Willie Ramirez and Gooch. Let us welcome to the show one of my favorites, Angela Johnson-Reyes. Good morning, Angela. How are you? Good morning. That was some really good editing you did. I love that. (laughs) I worked hard on that last night while I was watching college football, let me tell you. Angela, let me just say this. Willie has been talking about getting you on for weeks, even before he even reached out to the publicist. Just one day we're doing the show, and then he just brings you up out of nowhere. Are you a little worried? Because he is a bit of a super fan. I think he might have a tattoo. (laughs) On ESPN Las Vegas. Let's soak in. Let it simmer. Let that sting take you over. All right, that's long enough. Once again, it's Throw the Flag back at the Golden Circle Sportsbook, Treasure Island Hotel and Casino. I, Gooch, to the left, the lovely Willie Ramirez, and we just like to break down the week of sports, talk a little cramp. And last night, we had her in the open. We had Angela Johnson-Reyes, who was uh, here at the Treasure Island last night, and Willie, you went. I did. And what did you think? Uh, you know what? She, uh, <clears throat> we were talking before the show. This day and age, you know, I've been to a lot of comedy shows. I saw Eddie Murphy live before Raw hit, so between Delirious and Raw. I saw Raw a year before it actually hit the VHS tapes for everybody. Yeah. Um, he did the tour. Um, I've seen Sinbad live. I've seen, you know, numerous 80s and 90s comedians. And back then... Headliners could do an hour, and you'd laugh from start to finish. Um, I saw someone who I mentioned to you before the show last year. I did not. I wasn't disappointed in him. It was just that the shtick had worn off, so it's like um, – so I wasn't sure what to expect last night. Plus, it's late. I would have been asleep by the time she got online. Like, I'm usually three hours into REMs Right. by the time she got on stage last night. Um but she carried the show well. Right. She, um, her stick has not worn off in terms of, you know, as she calls herself, the Chola, you know, uh, I can't remember, the Chola the Caviar Dream, whatever, the name of her book oh, right, yeah, that yeah. she brought to us or that she um, talked to us about. I bought it, by the way. Um, it didn't wear off. It, it, it went over well. Um, there were pockets of it where, you know, you're just wondering where she's going with it and so on and so forth. But she always finds a way to come back to, as good comedians do, you know, you bring something up. And then five minutes later, you resurface it to, to weave it in. Um, and she and her time was perfect. And, of course, she ended it with the nail salon. Everybody loves that bit. So I think that's her trademark, her staple mark. Your guy. Mal Hall? Mal Hall, who you brought up to her. She, he was second behind Michael Yo. Michael Yo opened, then Mal Hall. Mal Hall, now he had a shorter time, so obviously, gave start to finish, yeah, gave the home hits. run, grand slam, and that's the beauty. dude was hilarious. That's the best thing when you got only fifteen minutes to go, maybe twenty. Everybody's just kind of all you got to do is just bang, 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 bang. And I bang, thought of him. Later. I thought of you in how you're going to probably write your stuff. Um, because he talked about having being a new dad, right, right, and I got a lot of stuff. So yeah, you're, up with yeah, that you're right now, man. Yeah. It's yeah. wild. So, so how did so now you did a show? Yeah, I and, did a and, show. Now you did a show at a dispensary, and people were allowed to smoke in the room while you were doing comedy. Yeah, the new woo over at the Paiute Travel Plaza. It's like uh, you're allowed to smoke in there, so the audience is stained. Yeah. And and the thing is, is is like you're seeing people like smile. 
but no one's like letting it out you know like you had to talk to them you had to like really engage with this audience because man number one everybody's attention span is shortened anyway right mm. because nowadays look at how we look at how we digest the uh, media like not everybody watches the same show like remember when seinfeld went off here they had like 45 million people tune in to watch that last episode i don't know if there's another television show that can do that because all these television shows are spread out over all these different platforms. So now it's very niche-based. Right. So doing stand-up comedy, especially in Vegas, it's tough because it's hard to attract that niche because you're getting people in from all over the country. And a lot of the people that buy tickets to shows are like, I'm going to a Vegas show. They don't even know who's performing half the time. I, I, um, I just finished Friends. Right. I, 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 I always need a show, to uh, a 20-minute show and then a 40-minute show. It just depends uh, for my cardio sessions. I, I did friend. Now I was watching Friends for the longest time, and then I veered off of it. I started watching a couple of other things, but then I went back to it. I finally watched the fu- the the final season, and then I watched the Friends reunion. I actually, the Friends reunion was pretty cool. Um, I would imagine that that was so much of a you know that was part of a culture where you know that season finale or that series finale was big. You know, and those were they were that you're on your your general network, your ABC, NBC, CBS, you know, Fox. They're going to get the viewership, but like the Sopranos finale, you know, the sort of MASH finale will always go down, right? MASH is a always. culture. I mean, that's. And that was, and again, this kind of proves my point because when you look at MASH, it's like how many television channels were around right. when MASH was on TV? So people ha- only had a couple of options that they could turn to. Right. And- well, <clears throat> not to take a laughing Friday night and. Well, dampen the mood a little bit. Right. But Fresno State was in town. Mm-hmm. Derek Carr, Devontae Adams, his alma mater. They came to town last night, and UNLV lost. Yeah. UNLV, I think they were winning at halftime, if I'm not mistaken. Um, they seem to be in the game. I, I do know that on national radio this morning, I was up early listening, and they did it. There was a gambling segment, and someone brought up the fact that with like ten seconds left, I think it was. Right. You want to be kicked the field goal, and they uh, Fresno State. The sharps were on Fresno State. They were betting it. Line was right nine and a half. It teetered down to about eight and a half yesterday, mid morning. I had gotten a report that the sharps were betting Fresno State eight eight and a half. They lost by se- the Fresno State won by seven. Rebels kicked the field goal with like. 10 seconds left to get the backdoor cover. How, that's a bad beat. Yeah, I'm not a fan of that at all. But, you know, the Rebels, they were up. It was 16-14 and a half, so it's not like they were up on a huge lead. It's not like, you know, a 17-point blown lead like we've been seeing so much in this city. But, <laughs> you know, again, you would hope that the Rebels would be able to swing with some of these guys like Fresno State. We, we thought they could win. I thought they could win. They gave them a game, but, you know, I thought Fresno State kind of controlled the game halftime on and well it seems like the really you know the rebels fixed a lot of things that went wrong in san diego state that was a low scoring game 14 to 10 um doug brumfeld he, he looked a little more comfortable looked back like he had his legs back but um completed 18 to 33 172 yards he rushed for 60 yards uh kyle williams his favorite target right he he, he brought in six catches so you know it now it gets down to gooch where fresno state was going for bowl eligibility Right, so they locked theirs up. Rebels have lost five straight. They have four wins. They need to win their last two games, Hawaii and Reno. And they have to travel to Hawaii. Yeah, but that's not like that's to me. That's not that. That used to be a thing, but it's not. And this is a different team. 
this is a, I mean, and, and anybody that travels out to Hawaii, like, they're not going out there on a Thursday for a Saturday game or a Wednesday, and then and they're hanging out and they're partying. Like, they're going in the day before. They're going to do their walkthrough. These guys have lost five straight. They don't have time to get lost in the atmosphere of Hawaii. That part, to me, is not a big deal. They're not traveling. And now, I will say this. Like, earlier in the year, I think it was uh, Nebraska and Vanderbilt. One traveled to, you know, abroad, and one traveled to Hawaii. And it was shorter to go abroad than it was to go to Hawaii from the state of Tennessee. Um, it's a, it's what a six-hour flight. It's like flying to the East Coast. They're under the gun. The pressure is on. They got to win their last two, like I said, to get into a, to be become bowl eligible. So um, the, the Hawaii part of my the flying there is not a big deal. And Hawaii's no good. I, you know, you're absolutely right. I definitely think the Rebels are going to go there and win. I am putting my money on the Rebels to win in Hawaii next week, no doubt. It's just. The plane ride isn't the big deal. It's the time change. Because I remember when I went there, I was amazed that I was up at, like, 6 a.m. when I'm usually up by, like, 9 because it's a three-hour time difference. Right. And it's just like that kind of thing can't throw you off just a little bit, only because we're so West Coast that we're not used to going even more West. So but that, it's like, that affects the East Coast. I still think that that affects the East Coast. So a 7 o'clock kickoff in Vegas, if it's 7 o'clock, if the kickoff is at 7 o'clock in Hawaii, it's 10 o'clock here. I, I just I think that this is it's, it's time to buckle up. You I know, think they're going to win. And I think, they're you know, with the way that they performed in San Diego, with the way they performed last night, I mean, one low scoring, one high scoring, and showing a lot of metal. The season's not lost. And many had it going this way. A lot of people had, uh, you know, the Rebels coming down to the last two games of the season. And, look, the run, the run game is there. The Rebels do have an identity. Like, they never had an identity up until this year. They finally have an identity on offense. So it's like taking that and right. going into Hawaii. I think is I think they're going to destroy Hawaii next week, and then they're going to take care of UNR the week after. All right. Now we get to a portion of the show we've been doing since we started, really well, since Lindsey joined the, the team. But without proper induction. So right now, it's time to go downtown. Marty McFly went back to the future with the help of Doc Brown. Willie and Gooch get to look into the future with the help of Professor Brown. Better known as Downtown Lindsey Brown. Wow. Lindsey, good morning. How are you? Good morning. I am well, gentlemen. How about yourself? I mean, I already know how you're doing. I've been listening to this whole yeah. time. Like, Wait, let's not. Let's Lindsay, not does, that mean, does that music make you want to go on an adventure or something? Like, I feel like I want to jump on the back of an albatross. I've never seen Back to the Future, so it's hilarious to me. Oh, my. You get out. You're fired from America. <laughs> you are fired from America. You got, Wait a minute. He, he threw you a softball, and you did not take it and go every morning on the show with Willie is an adventure. I figured oh. that was coming right. I mean, you're so quick usually. I thought that was coming. Well, right. I'm, I'm quick with the honesty. You can't expect yeah. me to have all the lies teed up right away this early in the <laughs> morning. Willie's been in this town a long time. He has connections. Just work that ego, Lindsay. You'll That's, get oh, there. Trust me, I do. <laughs> trust me, I do. All right, Professor, let's talk Golden Knights. They come home. Incredible win streak. Franchise best. We're going to have Ashley Vice on in a little bit. But, Lindsay, what did you see on the road? And tonight... 
only one day off since the road trip. They got the St. Louis Blues. Talk to us. Yeah, I see a very resilient team right now and a team that seems really cohesive. And and it's really surprising because I don't know what everybody thought. I mean, we were kind of thinking it's going to take a while to, to really implement and then put into practice Bruce Cassidy's system. But because they've racked up these wins, they've bought in fully. They've been able to, to shut things down in front. They've let in a few more goals than they normally have, at least when they're at home. But when you're on those long road trips, it, you can kind of expect that with the home crowd. But the comeback ability is there. I don't feel like they're ever out of it. And, and that's a distinct, different feeling that I had about this team last season. And you were saying the system that Bruce Cassidy has implemented. Mm-hmm. Do you think they've mastered that already? Or do you just think that they're that good and they're just getting by on that without even mastering the system just yet. Well, mastery is just doing it as many times in a row perfectly as you can. And you just it's one rep at a time, one rush at a time. I, I just think that this team is so confident in their ability to shut things down and to find scoring. This, this team was missing that game-breaker ability, and that's what Jack Eichel is. I, we saw a different level of him in Buffalo. Like, oh. I want to see that in playoffs. Like that, You can just see how the dude skates. He's like a, a stride and a half ahead of everyone. And, and when you're able to ride a wave like that, I mean, just hearing Mark Stone talk about him in the postgame after Buffalo and how emotional he was and, yeah. and just of what Mark Stone is to this team and his stature in this league, it's, there's a lot of really good pieces. And granted, it's a long season. There's going to be times where they're going to lose games. There's going to be a losing streak at some point. I mean, somebody who's going through or just getting out of their losing streak of the St. Louis Blues, they just lost eight straight, but they were finally able to snap that. They are having such a tough time putting the biscuit in the basket. I'm going to go off on Jack Eichel a little bit later on, but isn't it crazy? Like, when I watch him skate, he can go full speed mm-hmm. and then slow down right when he needs to by himself maybe an extra second or two, find the pass, or just take the shot. We've never seen that in Vegas until he got here. And we were seeing it last year, and he was just kind of getting – getting his, his feet ready. But this year, I mean, he's playing like on a whole nother level. Yeah, and he was really banged up last year in addition to coming back from right. neck surgery, spine surgery. Like, there's a, a reintegration process that happens when you're trying to just get used to your body again and trusting that and trusting when you get hit that you're going to be able to put yourself back together. And so I, I saw some stats somewhere where he has the most goals in the NHL uh, since February, at least for the team. And and it's, it's a fantastic thing to see because – I've seen players of superstar caliber not have a great start. Like, I don't know, the captain of the St. Louis Blues, Ryan O'Reilly, is not scoring right now. And you just think about the different weight and the pressurized um, moment-by-moment nature that the game starts to really press down on teams and stars the longer they go without finding their true game. Real quick before we cut away, how happy were you to see, because I know I was, Tuesday night, Game 700. It was both Game 700 for Alec Martinez and Riley Smith, but in his 700th oh. career game, the shorty to tie it, the overtime winner, fantastic. Not He couldn't couldn't ask for something like that for a nicer guy. Well, and his fa- whole family's in the stands, too, because he's an Ontario kid, and there's been so much talk this year about William Carlson, obviously, just how well he's played, and then Jonathan Marchessault is one of those guys that you expect to score on a regular basis. Riley's kind of been the Apple guy, the assist guy, the guy that gets back and plays defense, but to see him crack through and 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 use William Carlson and that little partnership that they have together to their full advantage I mean is there a bad spot on this team right now I can't find one I don't think so professor thank you for your input we appreciate it it is Gooch it is Willie we are off and running we are at Treasure Island on ESPN Las Vegas get down here because I got all kinds of goodies I'm not sure what I haven't even opened up the uh 
the uh, envelopes, but I do see some tickets in here. I, got, I know there's some lounge shows around town. Come on down. The kitchen opens at 930 in 15 minutes. The sports books open. We're good to go. College football, lots of sports talk. Gooch is throwing the flag next on ESPN Las Vegas. Now, back to Throw the Flag with Willie Ramirez and Gooch. Yeah. Well, tough guy song right there. If only we had a tough guy bringing it back. That's right. Once again, <laughs> throw the flag at the Golden Circle. Enough Sports with the Mark. niceties. We're 15 weeks in. You're going to start taking shots, Take buddy. it. You know what? I deserve a lot of shots. Actually, you have let me off so easy, Willie, really because have. I have I've... screwed up a lot on this show. and You've been right there to be like, you know what? He's a little slow. I'll let him get away with this. And you know what? I'm fed up. <laughs> I'm fed up. I'm done. You know what I'm fed up with? Sports. I'm throwing the flag right now. So let's start with the NFL. Guys, uh, something happened earlier in the week, and this is when the Jim Irsay, the owner of the Colts, gets rid of Frank Reich and makes Jeff Saturday, former center, all-pro center, Peyton Manning center, made him the head coach of the Indianapolis Colts with zero, and I mean zero, not not head coaching experience zero coaching experience whatsoever now i thought i was mad at the pro and college level. yeah at the pro and college level it's like i thought i was angry at this joe thomas former left tackle of the cleveland browns he was on uh good morning football on nfl network and he went off about it can you play that clip when you hire your drinking buddy to be the head coach of an nfl football team it is one of the most disrespectful things i've ever seen in my entire life to the commitment, the lifestyle, and the experience that it takes to be an NFL coach, any coach, much less the head coach of the Indianapolis football Colts. You have got to be kidding me that this is something that Jim Ursay and Jeff Saturday, who's not blameless for accepting the job, could have talked and decided that this was the best thing for the Indianapolis Colts at this juncture of the season. I'm going to tell you a quick story. I lived right next door to Rob Chudzinski. He was our head coach for one season mm-hmm. in Cleveland. The commitment that it takes to be a head coach in the NFL is beyond what people can even comprehend mm. unless you've been in that locker room. Yep. He saw his children yep. one time every week. That was Friday uh, afternoon. Yep. We would get off about 2 o'clock. He would stay till 3. He would pick his kids up from school. He had four kids. He would go get ice cream with them. They would come home. Then he would drop them off and go back to the office. If it was a home game, he would get to see his kids two times during the week. Ice cream on Friday. Saturday And then afternoon. Saturday afternoon, he still didn't see him because he stayed. Sunday, they would come to the game. He would drive them home after the game, drop them off, and go back to the office. That's a lifestyle. That's who you are. That's not something that you can just show up for. It's not something you sign up for. Mid-season. This is something that changes your life when you decide to be a coach. It's one of the reasons I don't want to coach, because I want to see my children. It was the most egregious thing I can ever remember happening in the NFL. And I went 1-31 in 31 my last <laughs> two years in the NFL. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> so, again, the message Jimmy Irsay is sending to the fans and the players is that he wants this team to tank, which, look, we've seen before, but not like this we've seen mid-season firings of coaches in the middle of the season pretty consistently but usually the interim coach was the assistant head coach or at least he had some experience with coaching 
What makes this move even crazier is the Colts already had two former head coaches on their staff and Gus Bradley and John Fox, who was a head coach of not one, but two and but two NFL teams he took to the Super Bowl. Two Super Bowl teams, and he won one with Peyton Manning, who obviously has the ties to the Colts. But instead, he went with Jeff Saturday, who, by the way, sounded just as confused as the rest of us when he got hired. He was like, you sure, Jim? <laughs> he said that in an interview. Are you sure? And Ursa even said, I'm glad Saturday doesn't have any NFL experience. I'm glad he hasn't learned the fear that's in this league because it's tough for all our coaches. They're afraid. They go to analytics and it gets difficult. You went with a guy because he didn't know how to coach? That's what you just said, Jameer say. And who in their right mind would let some guy, uh, you know, and that's all Saturday is as a coach right now, is he is some guy run their billion-dollar business. That'd be like Tim Cook, Apple CEO, going, all right, you know, sure, I'm surrounded by geniuses, but I need someone to think outside the box, not like these professionals who have spent years failing and learning from their mistakes. You know what? I got it. Gooch may not know math, but he does have an iPhone. I'm going to let him run the accounting department. That's how insane this hire was you should be ashamed jim here say do your math whoo gooch breathe for a minute bro let me take a minute here to reintroduce the show so right. you can just breathe <laughs> relax gooch is throwing the flag we are at espn las vegas uh get down here like i said we're at the sportsbook golden circle sportsbook and bar the kitchen's open in a little bit i got some tickets to awol nation tonight at brooklyn bowl and i'm giving them away so get down here gooch who else you throwing the flag i'm throwing the flag at anyone and look we just got off the subject but i'm going right back to it i'm throwing the flag at anyone who doesn't think that this is the best nice team vegas has ever had this last this last five game road win streak spoke volumes about how good this team was. All units, one through three, are dangerous. The Knights had 17 different players record at least one point in the last five games. Contributions are coming from all over on that team. Now, let me highlight the one golden boy. Well, there's many golden boys, but I got to highlight Jack Eichel, who has been everything we could hope for. And what Eichel did to Buffalo on Thursday should put the rest of the NHL on notice. Four points, including a three-period hat trick. That was the last game. Yes, the last one was an open net goal, but it still counts, and he did it to the team that pretty much painted him out to be some kind of locker room cancer. And he's not just really good. He's elite, and so is this team if they could stay away from the injury bug. I'm going to shut up now because the next segment is all nights with Ashley Vice. but the excitement this team has given me, it's hard to hold it in. I really feel like they're riding the wave that was started by the Aces, the championship wave. Okay. Surfing it. All right. Sur All right. Surfing, surfing aces wave. Yes. All right. What do you got? What do you got? What do you got? And I'm also going to be throwing the flag at the Houston Astros for not only bumming out a couple of Vegas boys at Bryce Harper and Bryson Stott, who should be calling into the show today, shameless plug, but I really do hate seeing successful teams fall apart, even if I rooted against them like I was with Houston because of the Vegas connections. The Houston Astros parted ways with their GM, James Click, and now, it's not like this was news. It was pretty well known that Click and Jim Crane, the owner of the Astros, were headed towards Splitsville. But it's still crazy to see Click, who came aboard after the Astros cheating scandal, get released after he kept that team together while they were being dragged in the mud. And then when the ring gets to their hands, you show them the door. It's, it, it'll be interesting to see what happens next with the Astros. But a championship team in any sport is so fragile. And once you start messing with that, with those important pieces, like your GM, 
the Jenga castle comes tumbling down. And I'll be honest, I'm not sure who's at fault here because James Quick was offered a one-year extension before the split, but it's obvious ego is at the center of this, and I hate seeing ego get in the way of a possible dynasty. Set your differences aside and just win. That's kind of the way that Lindsay and I feel about this show is like we're hoping that you can set your ego aside I know. and look toward the future of a possible dynasty on this station with Throw the Flag. Every Saturday, 11 to 1, the dynasty, the weekly dynasty. You're I already slipping it. because it's I 9 to it. 11. 9 to 11, right. You see, so you're already, <laughs> this is off. where you start thinking about your, your mind is wandering, your attention span is elsewhere. We're going to get you an Adderall at some point. Right. But, I mean, <laughs> the, the, the idea, advice. Gooch, is to know the time of the show. So I'm throwing the flag at you for getting so, just so winded. I'm worked up. You are worked up. I mean, we have these rundowns, and Gooch has his stuff written out. They have gone from, like, blurbs to blurbs. Yes. I mean, they're just expansive. I'm a, pa- I'm a passionate guy. You are passionate. I want that. I, I mean, want that. that's what happens when you do a comedy show at the dispensary. Right. Of course, especially a couple of hours after this, but now I'm back at point. I'm ready to go. I went to, I went to a nice Italian restaurant at, at, at a different establishment, and I'm not going to bring that establishment up, just simply out of respect for where we're at now, but it is one of our sponsored places. Um, I'll talk about it tomorrow. Okay. Here's a little hint. Um, but I had we had a nice bottle of wine, and have you ever seen the wand? You ever heard of the wand? Are you a wine drinker? I do like red, I like the red blend. Lynn, do you drink wine? I don't, but I know the wand. That's the thing that they stick in the wine to oxygenate it, right? And it goes. No. Oh. Doesn't oxygenate wand. it. Doesn't oxygenate. So so. Always start with aerating the wine, throwing it in a decanter, rustling up. I have a decanter that has ridges in it, so the sec- so if you pour it right, it flutters down the sides and it breaks everything up and sort of gets the tannins loose and gets everything. Get- that's how you oxygenate it. The wand, is, it's, it's a plastic, and at the end there's a filter, and it sucks the sulfites out. Mm. And if you have wine, like I enjoy a nice bottle of wine, especially if I'm cooking. If I'm cooking Italian, like I got Sinatra playing, I put the Godfather on. You got to so totally get in. You got to get in. Yeah, yeah. You, you have to get in clemenza mode. Method acting. Yes. Yeah. And, and, you, and you're totally all into the role. And you drink, always, always use the wine in the sauce that you are going to, if you're going to drink it. Like I hear people go, no, no, I use this for the cooking. No, 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 no. If you can't drink it, don't cook with it. You're putting it in your food, right? Anyway, the wand, or after drinking wine, what I was going to say is I'll drink a bottle of wine if I'm doing a whole sauce at home and not having to drive. Um, wine does, there is a headache that you wake up with. It's not a hangover. Mm. It's a totally different wine headache. Um, the wand, ever since the first time I used it, I've never had a wine headache after the, okay. next, the next morning. It is amazing. It removes the sulfites. I highly recommend it. If you are a wine bottle by purchaser for christmas i highly recommend that you go and you find the wand just like it sounds the wand and and that's the trademark and you include it with any wine like if you go to someone's house for the holidays you bring a bottle of wine bring them the wand. i definitely gotta try that out because i do like drinking wine with my food and, and a red we're red drinkers so yes I, I see i'm a red drinker now but when i first started drinking wine and the first, uh, first time i, I know, ever did you were it, probably I did the, white. you were the santa margarita pino grigio guy Moscato, baby <laughs> no, I, I was I was the whatever my girlfriend wanted at the time, and I didn't understand yes, that these yes, that dear. these wines can cause such hangovers. The yeah. white wine, I never yeah. well, had a hangover okay. like that. Well, see, the white wine, you get the stomach ache because of the sugar, and the red wine is the headache. When you get the wand, you're good. All, All right, right, listen. 
The wand is happy you're a fan. They just got free plug and they love it. I love it. Listen, let's wave the magic wand on this next break (laughs) because coming back on the other side, Ashley Weiss, ringside reporter for the Golden Knights, is on to talk about the red hot league leaguing Golden Knights. It's Gooch, it's Willie. We're at Treasure Island throwing the flag on ESPN Las Vegas. Petrangelo again. Blocker out, you score. Jack Eichel is on the board and he's giving it to the crowd. Eichel in front, shot, score. You go back, Jack, do it again. Ten seconds left. Eichel will try again for the hat trick. He got it! From 195 feet, and there are some hats coming onto the ice in Buffalo. She's cooler than the ice they skate on. It's Vegas Golden Knights ringside reporter, Ashley Weiss. Jack, do it again. See how that works, Goose? Oh, I love Santana. I'm glad you love Santana, but this is Steely Dan. So oh, wait. Oh, my throw God. the flag at Goose. Whoa. The DJ on FM radio during the Dude. week, and what does he do? Drops the ball on a classic Steely Dan. You're not allowed to talk. I'm, You're I'm, in timeout. You're in timeout. We're going to bring in my buddy, <laughs> VGK ringside reporter <laughs> Ashley Vice. Ashley, welcome home. How are you? I'm doing great, guys. Sounds like a shaky start to my segment here, but happy to be part of it. Ashley, did you know that was Steely Dan? I did not. I did not. That's kind of my M.O. uh, with all the guys here on the team. Uh, Dave, Shane, that whole crew, Gary, they'll all play songs. From the um, 80s, say, Ashley, who is this? And I never have Ashley, any idea. So Ashley, I wish I could make you proud, Willie, but li- I can't on that listen one. Listen to me. Listen, me. No, 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 no. Listen <laughs> to me. Do not let Gooch gaslight you because, first of all, he deflected the fact that Gooch is a, is a music DJ yes. during the week. He's a, he's a rock jock. Steely Dan, that's a, sort of a crossover. That was an old school, you could, almost like a Doobie Brother type, like he said. He blew it. He dropped the ball. I, I don't want to hear it. And I knew it was Steely Dan, but... Santana, you know what it was? I saw a big old sign at the uh, at, at one of the casinos that said uh, Santana was here, and oh, it was like man. I saw it here driving in. I'm making the best excuse right now. You're going in the penalty box, <laughs> Ashley. The Golden Knights are off to their franchise best start. What is going on with this team? Are you kidding me? Are, 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 are really, listen, they, they're, they're going to win 80 games, right? You know, I, I wish I could say yes. I don't know if we could take it that far. Um, I wish that we could. It hasn't happened before, but hey, never say never, right? Uh, but on a serious note, you say what's happening with the team. Everything right is happening with the team. And, you know, from an X's and O's perspective, there's a lot to like, whether you're talking about the goaltending, whether you're talking about the scoring depth. But really, the locker room is what's standing out more than anything else. The way these guys are playing for each other, showing pure happiness, pure joy for, you know, the guy playing next to them anytime they have a big accomplishment, whether you're talking about Phil Kessel's Ironman streak, whether you're talking about Jack Eichel's performance in Buffalo, whatever it might be. Uh, The vibes are immaculate, as the kids say, Willie, and I think that's the biggest thing that stands out right now this early in the season, especially considering they're only 15 games in. I mean, teams, you know, hit points where they really start to come together, they start to bond, but to have some of the new faces, to have the new coach, and the fact that this is what things are like in the room 15 games in, I think that's what says the most. Right, and winning helps, obviously, Ash, but I'll tell you what, it's interesting that you say locker room because I felt that day one of training camp when we first got in there, and that was the big mantra while you were in St. Louis. That was a big mantra 
the first year the Golden Knights were, it was why they did what they did. You know, we had the October 1 shooting. Everybody vibed. They came together for that. That built it. the expansion, the feeling of being misfits. But the locker room chemistry, it was, that, was, that was even far and beyond that first year. Why players wanted to come here. It's interesting that we circle back to that, that once again, the chemistry with a whole new cast of characters, a few old standbys thrown in, that's the thing that's bringing this team together. Yeah, I think it's interesting, too, that you compare it to the first season a little bit because rewind to the first day of training camp like you were talking about. Yeah. All the experts in the world are saying Vegas may not make the playoffs again. And I'm kind of racking my brain saying, why do they think that? What is it about this roster? You know, this, yet you lose Max Pacioretty, but you gain Phil Kessel and you gain, you know, like you have Bruce Cassidy, uh, you know, and his proven success, like the power play having been a big issue last year. Well, Bruce Cassidy – uh, historically has had tremendous power plays and goaltending was a question, but you know, we had seen what Logan Thompson could do. And, you know, I was kind of racking my brain as to why so many people were writing the team off. So it is interesting that you have these comparisons now to the vibes in the room feeling similar to that year, because it's kind of like they have had to go in back with that misfit mentality, right? It's obviously not the same season one will never be replicated um, in terms of, you know, the way it brought the city together, Things of that nature. It's a historical run, right? But on the same token, uh, you do see some similarities from, you know, the expectations going into the season along with the way the team has gotten off to this start here. ESPN Radio, Las Vegas. We're speaking with Ashley Vice, breaking down the Knights. And following that Buffalo game, one thing that really stood out, you were talking about, you know, we were talking about the, the locker room and how well they've come together. But I was amazed at how highly they spoke of Jack Eichel after the game, like, because obviously, you know, his name was getting trashed by the Buffalo press saying that he was a cancer. And meanwhile, at, there was like three or four interviews right after that where people were just talking about how amazing he's been, how locked in he's been. And it just kind of seems like them trashing him has kind of helped this team come together. It has for sure. Uh, you know, I think they try to block out the outside narratives as much as they can, right? It's something that I talked to a lot of the guys about coming into the season. So before the season start, started, before he was dealing with, you know, his second return to Buffalo, all of that, I was asking guys, like, what is he like in the locker room? And, you know, from the beginning, Jack Eichel got here, and he has made it an effort to completely integrate himself in the room, not to just, you know, get to know a few guys, but to get to know all of the guys, to be friends with all of the guys. Uh, he'll be in there. Even, even guys like Paul Cotter, he's like, you know, one of the veterans that will be giving Paul Cotter a, a hard time. And um, he's a good personality in the room. He's a good teammate. Uh, I don't think that even before this game in Buffalo, you know, I, I don't know how much it changed. I don't think it changed the way the team viewed him at all. Uh, but I certainly think it is something that brought the team together because they do all like him and they, you know, wanted to rally behind him. And, again, kind of similar going back to the first season. The first season, you know, they were misfits. People didn't expect them to do well. But after that, Vegas has kind of always been the villain, right? As coming from someone who, you know, was in a different market previously, people like to root against the Golden Knights. And, you know, I think that maybe that game is something that really cements Jack Eichel into the culture of the Vegas Golden Knights. And he definitely made his teammates proud. I think he made the fan base proud as well. I think it's something that the fan base really revels in as well. So the misfit line, proving once again it belongs together. Why did he even disband in the first place? You know, I think he's a new coach coming in. And what, what his thought process was, I've seen what they can do. We've all seen what they can do. 
I need to see what else we're working with here. And in preseason, the line of Jack Eichel, Phil Kessel, and Riley Smith was lighting it up in preseason. It looks like, oh, man, this is going to be the most dangerous line that we have. So I, I think that's why he tried that out for the first few games. And then, you know, they win a couple. And then once they lose a couple, he says, okay, let's switch it up. And that's why he went back to them. So I understand why he did it. I understand the thought process of why didn't you keep them together the whole time. But, hey, now he knows. And considering they're 13-2 and two to start the season, I don't think Bruce Cassidy has many regrets about many of the choices that he's made so far. Golden Knights ringside reporter Ashley Weiss joining Gooch, Willie, Treasure Island, throwing the flag on ESPN Las Vegas. Ash, no surprise, Laurent Brassois gets put on waivers, right? Yeah, it's, uh, it, it's a tough situation for him coming off the injury, coming off uh, surgery this offseason. And, you know, hip surgery, that's a big deal, especially, especially for a goaltender who needs, you know, needs the flexibility. Um, it, it does give the Golden Knights a little bit of a safety net, right, with the question mark. The fact that he clears gives the Golden Knights a bit of a question mark. If, if anything happens to Logan Thompson or Aiden Hill, you have a guy in Lauren Brassois who – uh, has been a proven backup goaltender in the National Hockey League. He has the experience. Uh, he can come up at any time. You have Michael Hutchinson down there. I mean, it's it's a lot of depth at the goaltending position right now, especially right. considering that was a big question mark. Um, you know, you feel for him just with everything he's gone through last year, the injuries. You know, it, I'm sure that he at times has felt uh, forgotten, but, you know, you hope that he can go down there um, play some games, get his game back, and then, you know, just have even a deeper goaltending pool to pull from um, if and when somebody gets hurt or a change is needed. Do you think he or they expected him to clear waivers? That's a good question. I don't know. It's it, it's tough to say. I mean, there are a couple teams, uh, Toronto, New Jersey, you thought maybe are they, you know, looking to pick him up. Um, it's it's tough because they can, Henderson in general has struggled right now. So it's tough to say, um, you know, what other teams were seeing that may have picked him up. Like, were they, were they seeing, you know, the number of goals he allowed in a short conditioning stint in Henderson? Or, you know, would they have maybe given him a pass and saying, well, the team in front of him, you know, is struggling right now as well. It's hard to say. I was kind of 50-50. I really didn't know what was going to happen. I think it's good for the organization that he stays in the organization just because, you know, it's just another goaltender that you can rely on any time that's needed. It's good for the Golden Knights. It's a good problem for the team to have, right? You take the, you the, you know, emotion out of it, I guess, and it's a good problem for the team to have. Uh, And then you look at, like, Aiden Hill not losing a game yet is wild as well. Five wins for him to start the season. Uh, Goaltending in general – is a big positive in the organization right now. So your former stomping grounds are in town tonight, St. Louis. Yep. We're playing the Blues, and they've struggled mightily to start the season, just snapped an eight-game skid with a home win versus San Jose. What's going on with the Blues? That's a good question. You know, I, I think it's a combination of things. I think that there's been a lot of change there uh, since they won the Cup. You know, you, you lose Alex Petrangelo. You've now lost David Perron. David Perron. Uh, was a huge piece to that locker room, uh, personality-wise, uh, production-wise. The chemistry he had with Ryan O'Reilly, their captain there, was, you know, they were, you know, two of the most dangerous offensive players went together uh, in the league, I would argue. Uh, the chemistry that they had is hard to beat. It's, it's not the misfits, but, you know, it's kind of on that, along those same lines. Um, it, I Really, though, the biggest, the biggest thing is you have 
young players who are expected to step up who haven't stepped up for them through this first stretch. Uh, Jordan Cairo is the main one, not to put all the pressure on him, but he just signed a massive contract that starts next year. And he's minus 17. Uh, so that's, that's not great. Uh, he only has five points. He was a point-per-game player when he was playing for them. Last year, he had 75 points in 74 games. So that was their expectation for him. He's not meeting it. You lose some of the veteran guys. Um, it's hurting them right now that Robert Bortuzzo is injured. He's a big physical presence on their blue line. Uh, so, so that's tough for them. This is a game I do think you have to look out for a little bit, though. Yep. Because they did snap that, they did snap that losing streak, right? And we know what can happen when a team just gets a little bit of juice, right? And what would ignite them more than coming in and beating a team who's looking for their tenth win in a row? So, well, I definitely think it's a game that they have to look out for. And I want to close on that real quick here because. In the, in the five and a half years that the Golden Knights have been here, when we've been able to be in the locker room, a lot of conversations, they tell us it's the second game of a homestand after a long road trip that their travel legs are sort of no longer weary. One, they've been traveling. This was an extensive trip east up to Canada. Now they're back in their comfort zone. They're with their wives, their girlfriends. They're with their families. It's only off one day of rest Yep. You sort of just kind of take a deep breath, you relax, and then all of a sudden it's like, oh, my gosh, i got to get back up and, and get right back to it. Where the, the Blues, yeah, they're coming from home, but they've got a lot more on their mind, like getting back in a flow. This, this is actually a tough spot not to fall flat for VGK. It is, I would say, and obviously I do not exert myself physically in the manner that they do, but I will say coming home, like it, it was a long trip. It was also on the East Coast. Yeah. Um, that's a big time change, especially when you were over there for so long. That three hours difference and daylight savings happened in the middle of uh, the team being over there. So, like, I feel like I've even been a little bit thrown off. So that's, that, that could play a factor. It's just, you know, in their energy, energy level. Um, and also, this is going to be a juiced-up crowd at T-Mobile Arena tonight. Crazy, as the team yeah. looks for 10 wins in a row with a Saturday night. Um, you know, the, the team's on a heater. So that's certainly something that's good, but it's also something where – Teams have to you know, monitor their emotion and make sure that they're channeling that energy the correct way. Um, none of this is to say that I don't think the Golden Knights will be able to do it, uh, but it is one of those games that you just have to look out for. Uh, but this group has really shown how mentally tough they are. If they give up, if, when they do give up goals early, they seem to come back. When they score first, uh, even if they let up the gas after that, they find ways to put themselves back in it. So I'd imagine Bruce Cassidy has them well prepared for the challenge ahead. All right, Ashley. Well, you know, as far as your physical activity and what you exert, you and I are social media friends. I think you are well aware of what I do in the gym. So when you're ready yeah. to get a perfect gym workout, you just let me know. I will do that. I'm pretty lazy, but I will, I will do that. I, will, I need to get back on it, Willie. I tend to fall <laughs> flat when the season starts, but it might inspire me to get back in the gym. Yeah. We'll film it. We'll make a montage, music montage. It'll be a whole thing. Yeah. Oh, yeah. hype video. Okay, yeah. I can get behind that. You know what we'll do? We'll do it, and we'll bring the nightlife crew, and we'll do a nice. Yes. That is Ashley Bice, your ringside reporter. The Golden Knights are on tonight. You can check them out, of course, on 98.9. That game, it's puck drop is at 7 o'clock. The Blues are in town. Check out Ash, of course, part of the TV broadcast. Thank you, Ash, for joining us on Throw the Flag. Thanks, guys. Have a good one. Hey, when we come back, it's Gooch, it's Willie, it's the gambling segment. Two more winners last week. Let's see if we can keep it going. Throwing the flag, ESPN Las Vegas. All night, he chick, chick, chick. He threatened me. Well, you feeling satisfied now, Teddy? Because I can go on busting you up all night.
Yet, yet he beat me. Straight up, pay him. Pay that man his money. Little rounders. Matt Damon. John Malkovich. And this. Dirty. ODB. Here we go. Let it roll. All right, we don't want to let that song go too much because, oh, my gosh, is it graphic. Once again, <laughs> let's throw the flag back live from the Golden Circle Sportsbook, Treasure Island. It's time for the gambling segment. Willie and myself, Gooch, me, Gooch, Willie, uh, we've been doing quite well over the past few weeks. And the snack was good. It was, I, and you devoured it. But, yeah, I think we've been doing quite well at our picks. Wouldn't you say? I I think in the earlier season I struggled a little bit, but now that we have an idea of what these teams are doing and how they're looking, yeah. uh, I think both of us have been on a tear. Well, I've been on a tear. I'm, ta- I'm, par- I'm tapping myself on the back right now. I'm patting it right there. I'm hurting my elbow. Yeah, don't overexert ever exert when you're winning because that's when the losing kicks in. Oh, you're right. You know, I'm a Browns fan. I should know that. I should know to never get too happy Believe until the very land. end. Believe yeah. land. Oh, <laughs> One day I might wear the Believe Land sweatshirt that I got when I went there in 2014. And if you put it on, do you believe in them? The answer is... I believe in me. There you go. All right. So what do you got this week, Willie? I, unfortunately, am doing something you are never supposed to do. What's that? (sighs) Willie. Putting my money with my heart. I like the Dallas Cowboys. I like them against Green Bay, I, I and they're on the road in Green Bay. Dallas is my team, but I, I think that it's a great value where it's at, um, and I, just, I think that they're playing so much, obviously so much better, but I think now full strength we're seeing what this team is capable of doing, and I think that it's, it's – it's, it, yes, it lost to the Eagles, but it lost to the Eagles without Dak, and here's the thing. This is a team that is probably right now the biggest threat to – the Eagles, um, and it's just playing well, man. I mean, I know it's its first road game since a loss at Philly, but the Packers, they're just – I mean, we're seeing what a, what a mess that team is. Dallas is coming off of a bye week. I, I, I really like Green Bay. I'm not a big look-ahead guy. Like, they're not looking ahead to the Vikings. This is the NFL. These are pros. They're not looking past Green Bay. They're how dangerous it can be. McCarthy returning to Green Bay. I like the Cowboys minus the five. I like that pick, too. That was actually – I was struggling between that game and then the game I'm going with. You see, I'm going to go with uh, the Chiefs by 10 over the Jags. Now, Trevor Lawrence has been trending in the right direction the past two weeks, posting a passer rating over 100, but that was against the hapless Broncos, who they lost to, by the way, and our beloved Raiders. And I know overcoming 10 points is a lot. But Pat Mahomes is the answer I give to any naysayer, naysayer. And if you need another, I'll give you one. Pat Mahomes. Just ask me a question about the game. I'm just going to yell Pat Mahomes in your face because that's what's going to happen, and that's why this team is going to – I think they're going to easily cover 10. All right, there you have it. So our best bets, by the way, the records are Gooch is 10-4. and four. I am 12-1-1. One one. If you Literally, if you've been following for 14 weeks these picks – 22 5 and 1 Gooch you do you realize well you have to put five picks in on most of these like local contests but like we could realistically be kicking ass Oh I definitely think so All I right. definitely I've used some of these bets and I've made money off them Okay well there you go You're a parlay guy though you're kind of you know you're square Well last week the Dolphins kind of I had a good parlay going and There's the no Dolphins, kind of All right I kind of I kind of lost kinda, No you kinda, lost you either okay. win or you lose God 
Wow, I'm gonna right, have to, I'm gonna have, to have a long talk with myself with a mirror today. Yes, <laughs> well, yes give me you the are. business. If you really <laughs> if you really want to win, you'll check out my show tomorrow, the Sunday football preview show at the Westgate. Come on down there from eight to nine if you will, if you like. I am doing it live from the ESPN booth. From nine to twelve, Gooch is in the International Theater. Fifteen hundred seat, smoke free environment. So come down to the Westgate, hang out with me and Gooch once again. We're in two separate areas, but I'm going to have giveaways, have some goodies. You want to check out the Westgate. Today, we got another hour here at Treasure Island, Golden Circle Sportsbook and Bar. I got Mateo on my left. I got Gooch on my right. I got my quarterback wearing a Broadway blue shirt back at Lotus. And we got another hour to go. So get down here to Treasure Island. Plenty of stuff to give away. Kitchen's open. Sportsbook's open. It's Gooch. It's Willie. We're throwing the flag at Treasure Island on ESPN Las Vegas. Is this the week the Raiders win a football game? Time to get you ready for Sunday's game versus the Colts. Nothing has been forced this year at all. I mean, I've had multiple games with, like, two catches. So I don't think that we should be talking about me getting the ball forced to me. Like, that's ridiculous. I think that... Um, when you have certain players, you do what you can do to get them opportunities, and that's why I'm here. That's why they paid me to, you know, to come here and make plays. If we're just going to just concede and say, oh, they double-team Tay, so it's forcing the ball to them. If we throw it to them, then I, I'm, I got no business being in this building because that's what they're going to do. Kind of get you hyped up. Oh, yeah. Kind of get you ready for the second hour. Sung by Wu-Tang Clan. You really want me to get off this desk and just beat you down in the middle of Golden Circle Sportsbook and Bar. Willie Ramirez and Gooch throwing the flag at Treasure Island here on ESPN Las Vegas. That was the sounds of Devontae Adams and Ram Jam. Thank you very much, Gooch. Um, It's time for some Raiders talk. Definitely got to do some Raiders talk. And I personally am pleased to bring on our next guest. He's going to be a part of this show Every few weeks, I want to make sure he gets on here. Um, former beat writer for the Review Journal covering UNLV sports and an assortment of other events. He's been here, I believe, since 99, so I want to say 23 years. Now the Associated Press sports reporter for Southern Nevada, my dear friend Mark Anderson. How are you, Mark? Doing well, Will. I appreciate the uh, the kind intro. i uh honored to call you a friend and a colleague. You know, and there's a, there's a story behind that, uh, Gooch, because I have sort of laid the foundation for 11 years now before there was pro sports as the Southern Nevada correspondent for the Associated Press. Many people, as pro sports got here, believed that it was like it was a full-time gig, you know what I mean? But I've just treated it as such because of the way that my schedule in the past, before uh, I, in two, before 2012, it was just stringers that would show up for games and look for the free food. Right. Whereas, as Mark knows, you know, I show up suit and tie, and I treat it like a full-time gig. So when they opened the job, I went for it. Yeah. And but, they asked me, they said, well, if you don't, you know, if you don't get it, will you, will you stick aboard? And I was straight up honest. I said, it depends on who it is. Right. Because there's a lot of people in sound like, I really don't have respect for it. And when they said it was Mark Anderson, I was like, I am all in. Right. Let's do it. I like how you would show up dressed to the nines, and you were probably the guy pointing the people to the food. You were just like, they're over there. <laughs> yeah, it's, over, it's over there. It's over there. So, Mark, before we get into this, what are you looking forward to most being back on the scene in terms of getting out and getting your fingers dirty, get your hands dirty on the scene? Yeah, my, I think the thing I like the most is the, var- the variety. You know, like you and I will be at the Golden Knights game tonight. We'll be at the Raiders game tomorrow. Uh, you know, I just visit baseball general managers meetings. I got a a basketball game Tuesday night, uh, tournament next weekend. Um, so I just love that there's, you know, it's just, it's not just one thing. The Raiders, the priority, right. um, 
but but I I love that uh, uh, that you, there's so much. Uh, um, you know, so many different things get to cover, and it just make, it just it just makes it more interesting. I've always that's something I've always I guess prided myself in the ability to cover many different events um, because to me all sports are kind of the same in a lot of ways as far as the coverage goes. Right. Uh, you know, so it's uh, it's it's that's definitely something to excited about. Well, and let's talk about the very the first week. Like this has actually been your second week because your first week, but you get an orientation. You flew down to, to the executive offices in Arizona. This has been your first true week on the beat, out doing right. stuff bylines. But, man, talk about a welcome to the beat. I even <laughs> texted you last Sunday when Jacksonville beat. I was like, welcome to the beat, buddy. Uh, yeah. Baseball GM meetings were here. Plenty of Raiders news. Uh, and, and just slight. It was like, just here, here, Mark, let me just throw you in the fire. What's this first week been like? Yeah, that's exactly what it was. I mean, I mean it was great. I was out at Resorts World. Uh, you know, trying to, you know, doing my interviews out there for the general managers. Uh, and, and, you know, I think it, I, while I was out there, you know, Jonathan Abram, Abram gets uh, gets waived. So I had to jump on that. Um, and then Thursday, I'm writing my game preview, Raiders game preview, message from one of my editors, uh, we need something on Renfro and, and uh, Waller right, right, right away. Uh, so I had to jump on that. And, uh, and I had... You know, and I was also that was the final day of GM's meetings too. So, uh, you know, I rushed down to the Raiders facility and and uh, got some reaction there. So, but it's great. I mean, that's what I want. You know, I, I want I, I want to be busy. I want to have that challenge. And and you know, and and so I'm I'm really happy I have this opportunity. Speaking with the Associated Press sports reporter for Southern Nevada, Mark Anderson on ESPN Las Vegas. Now, Mark, you've been the Raiders insider with JT the Brick and. You've been following the Raiders, and I want to know what your thoughts are on why this team has struggled. The talent appears to be there on paper. You know, it's it's a really good question, and I don't know there's an easy answer to that. I mean, you could say, well, it's a different coach. Yeah, I mean, ultimately, yeah, it comes down to the coach. It's it's He inherited a playoff team. Um, the expectation was they at least compete for the playoffs this season. You know, but I mean, you also look at how last season ended. Uh, they won four straight games in the, in, in the regular season by a total of 12 points. Those games easily could have gone the other way, and then you're talking about a whole different season. So maybe it's part of it's a regression to the mean. You know, the, the games they won last year are going against them this year. It, it's also possibly you get different philosophies with the new staff. Um, maybe maybe the players have had ch- trouble adjusting to it. Players aren't executing. Uh, you know, you bring in Devontae Adams, you think it's automatic, uh, automatically they're going to boost the offense. That hasn't happened, you know. So um, I think what Devontae said this week was was true. It's like you know, he you have to go, you have to just go after, throw to him, even when he's covered. I mean, that's why he's here. So I'm, I, there are a number of reasons. Um, I still think this is a team that is better than its two and six record. Um, at least, I mean, at least as far as pure talent goes. Um, but there's obviously some problems there, and whether they ever and whether they ever get out of the last place in the West, I'm not sure they will. Can we say Josh McDaniels is already on the hot seat? Uh, you know, I think I think right now, today, not necessarily. If they lose to Jacksonville tomorrow with the, uh, the coach, or not Jacksonville, if they lose to Indianapolis tomorrow with the coach who just a week ago was working for ESPN, 
Yes, I, I think they, I think he will be. I don't. It doesn't mean he'll get fired right after the game, but I, I think I think he'd have to say that you know he he he, he can't say his job is safe anymore. Uh, this last second half of the season is, is critical for him. My my money's still on that he gets another year. I think Mark Davis really doesn't want to make a coaching change after the season. Um, I think he wants to bring, have some stability, but he may get to the point where he doesn't have a choice. Speaking with Mark Anderson, Associated Press sports writer here in Southern Nevada on ESPN Las Vegas. So um, I know one of the things that, you know, while you were at the GM, you had me ask Derek Carr about, and you wrote this week about Carr reestablishing that college chemistry with Devontae Adams. But ultimately, Carr is having a down year. I mean, and this is a guy who's always been productive. He's been in the top five as far as passing yards and efficiency, whatever it may be. Uh, and since he came in the league, he's been he's been a productive quarterback. But this year, he's he's having a noticeably down year. Is it his fault, or do you think it's the play calling of McDaniel's? I think I think there's there's something there with with Carr. I'm not sure what it is. He might uh, something tells me he's more hurt than he was on because he's missed some passes this season. He just hasn't missed before. Uh, he's had guys open, and he, he just flat out missed them. And so. Uh, why I don't know. It could be maybe the Daniels have thrown so much at him. He's just his mind is cluttered. It could be a physical thing, like I said. Uh, I know he's been dealing with a back, and maybe he's just not able to step into his throws like the way he wants to. It, uh, he's never going to make a big deal about if he is hurt, how badly he's hurt. Um, but if he, is, I mean, it could be a factor. But yeah, he's clearly his his on target percentage is down this year, uh, and you know he's and he's coming off a career year, so I don't, I don't think he just fell off the cliff. I think there's some other some other explanations. ESPN Radio Las Vegas, we're speaking with Mark Anderson. Now, we have, we're, the one sad thing about this season with the Raiders is Max Crosby is playing out of his mind. But the defense, are they really that bad? Or is the offense just not sustaining drives? Are, is that what's hurting the defense? Yeah, I think it's kind of a mixed, mixed uh, deal again. Um, I, I, it could, the defense could be better. There's no question about it. Um, but yeah, you look at uh, you look at the Jacksonville game, and they had that long stretch where they had five offensive plays, uh, and so the defense was on the field for a long time. So you know, so there was no surprise they got worn down at the end. Uh, so it, it's uh, if the offense could have just picked up a couple first downs, maybe that changes the whole situation. But they didn't do it, and. No, there is one thing about the defense. They got to figure out what's going on in goal-to-goal situations. Fifteen, giving up touchdowns in all fifteen of them this year, yeah. streak of twenty-nine in a row. I mean, that's unbelievable. Yeah. Uh, so it's not just that they're not—they're giving up maybe. It's not just giving up yards and points. It's situational football, and the NFL if you, is often won and lost in situational football, and that's where they're not doing well. And, and usually, quit the coach, but this goes back to last season. So there's a there's a problem that goes beyond the defensive coordinator. All right, Mark. Well, I appreciate you jumping on with us for a little bit, talking some Raiders. We uh, will be at the Golden Knights game tonight, as Mark said. He and I are going to tag team that, and so he can check out the VGK in his new role with AP, and then he and I are tag team in the Raiders game tomorrow. So, Mark, appreciate you spending some time with us this morning and introducing you, reintroducing yourself to Southern mm-hmm. Nevada in your new role here on Throw the Flag with Gooch and Willie. Yeah, thanks for having me on, and Willie, I definitely – I'm thrilled that I get to work with you, and I'm looking forward to seeing you tonight. 
All right, buddy, we'll see you soon. All right, that is Mark Anderson. So, yeah, Gooch, Raiders are up against it, man. I mean, there's just a lot of pressure, I think, on everybody involved. You know, Derek Carr's on a team-friendly one-year deal. He's got a big contract, but it's only guaranteed for one year. Um, we'll see what Devontae's thoughts are after this year. I mean, Darren Waller gets his extension now. He's on the injured reserve list, Hunter Renfro. So a lot of big question marks with the hungry, hungry Indianapolis team and probably an angry Jeff Saturday who just had the flag thrown at him from Gooch. And, I mean, this guy's going to come in looking to prove a point. And with last year's Raiders defensive coordinator in Gus Bradley, huge game tomorrow for both teams. Man, it'll be something if Indianapolis wins out Right. All right, Gooch and Willie throwing the flag at Treasure Island, Golden Circle Sportsbook and Bar on ESPN Las Vegas. When we come back, man, holiday bells, they are a ringing. We are going to just turn the corner a little bit, have some fun, because Christmas music is up and playing. <laughs> now. This one goes out to all the big Willies. Uh, 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 do it. I don't even like Will Smith after what he did, but I can't help it. The you're song. not gonna every week. It's you're not gonna beat. do this when this intro because this oh. is this is now the intro for my segment. So are we, my are, hero. Are we gonna? Yes, and we're gonna have that line as well. You said that last week as well. If Will Smith had a Christmas song, then I would. Have, then then you'd okay. have to deal with that as well because oh. it is November twelfth. By the way, one day past November eleventh. Happy Veterans Day to all those who have Thank served you. and stitched the blanket of freedom that we operate under. I got a brother-in-law, Marco Favela, thank you. Um, so, yeah, Gooch, I read a story that Dolly Parton, because she's got some Christmas music coming out or something like that, but she said that every time she thinks of Christmas, she thinks of Mariah because the theme song, the anthem to Christmas is Mariah Carey's All I Want for Christmas, whatever. It, and, and gosh darn it, it is not. I'm just. I'm I, with you. No, it is. I, I am. I just. I, it's the one part about the holidays I cringe, not because I dislike Mariah Carey, but the song. It's just so overinflated, overblown, and I just can't Willie, deal. Willie, come on! It's an absolute classic. How can you argue? How can you argue this? Oh, it just puts me in the mood. I'm arguing right. I want to argue right. My heart is arguing. No. <sighs> no. Come on. I'm done. I'm yeah. celebrating Scratch. Hanukkah right now. That's Scratch. what that song yeah, makes yeah, me want to do. Yeah, that's yeah, yeah. I'm just this is just nails on a chalkboard. Mm. Just no. Because here's the thing: when we were growing up, right, it was Frosty, Rudolph. It was all those classic uh, yeah. cartoons. Give me some Burl Lives. That's what I want to hear. Have a holly, yeah, there we See, go. See, that's official. It's the best yeah, that's Burl Lives voice. I feel like I'm in a snow globe. I don't and, know. If and I will say snow. this. One, the, the knock on Mariah Carey, you. we've seen the videos of her trying to do that song live in the last few years, and oh, it boy. is B-A-D. Girl Lives listen, never lets me down. Girl Lives can't let you There's lots of old-timers that, it, 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 I get it, people love it, especially, you know, the Christmas shopping, the women get together, it's girls' day out, we're going to have wine and champagne at the boutique, we're going to go shopping, <laughs> and, and Mariah what? Carey, it gets you fired up and get you wanting to go out there and buy gifts, whatever, Christmas shopping with the kids. But the old timers, those are the anthems. Like, okay, Nat King Cole. Chestnuts roasting yeah. on an open fire. See, that's This better. one's good. Yeah. This one's good. This one's solid. This makes me want to okay. pour, pour a nice tall glass yeah. of Jägermeister. And yeah, sure. That's See, <laughs> that, how can you not? 
you know, and then you got the new school stuff. Now, 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 I mentioned like the old school cartoons when they weren't really even really cartoons, right there. But like, what, like I, there's certain Christmas movies. Like I like the Best Man Holiday. Okay. And I like this Christmas. And like, what is your? I, okay, I don't know about movies, but I definitely. Well, Christmas Story will always be the best Christmas. Right. Movie, basic. Right, right. Period. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. But it's, yes, it's basic, but it's a fact. So that's the thing. That that that's not an opinion. That's a fact. Christmas Story is the best. Um, but for me though, like. I really like the the Peanuts songs. Okay, you know, oh, like yeah. like when they yeah. sing when they sing a uh, uh, Hark the Herald Angels sing oh, yeah. at the end yeah, of sure. the Charlie yeah. Brown Christmas. Yeah. Yeah. It gets me every single time. And you're gonna get to relive all this stuff all that it. you did as a kid because you're you're about to have a little I'm yeah, about to have boy. a boy and I'm gonna live it, it up. Yes, and you get to buy stuff like every Christmas. You're gonna have jerseys and matching Nikes Can't or wait. whatever it is that you're gonna get. I mean, but like so the newer generation of the ne- the Burl Eyes and that King Cole, like for instance, like the movie. This Christmas from Chris of uh, the um, with Chris Brown and and uh, oh man I can't even think that there's so many good actors in there actors and actresses in that movie but I love that movie and of course the theme song by Chris Bring Brown. I'm tugging on my collar. I'm I don't conflicted. Know. Yeah, I'm tugging on the collar. Lindsay, what do you think about that? <laughs> I mean, it's Chris Brown. It's it's hard for me to get on board with anything he does because it's just you know the past uh, incident with Rihanna, all that oh, stuff. Yeah. Like, all I right. just, okay, you can't well, separate. But it's not like Christmas music is uh, okay, is a stranger okay, to like sexual assault and stuff, or at least okay, the thematic no, no, elements. No, no, no. Mariah Carey's got a history of violence, though. So. That, there's that. <laughs> okay, yeah, there's that too. So okay, so that's a classic song. So we could just go to the one that everybody sings off of and covers, Donny Hathaway. Hang all the mistletoe. That's good. See, it's got to go a baseline to it. Yeah, see? I like right? that. This Christmas. Right. Mm-hmm. Grooving. I love it. Okay, now, when you decorate your house, Lindsay, especially in Minnesota, when you decorated in Minnesota, because I remember. My grandma decorated. I don't do no decorating okay, myself. Okay, you know, you get my point. Yes. When I was in Minnesota, like, that was one of my favorite times of enjoying and embracing Minnesota because you got all four mm-hmm. seasons. You got all, you got the colors, the leaves. You got the snow. You're decorating. You got the hot cocoa while the wind drifts, put the snow drifts up against the, and we lived at the end of the cul-de-sac, so we had the snow oh. up against, and we had to go on the roof and shovel the roof so it didn't cave in. But you got to decorate. And you threw on Christmas music. And back then, we had a record player with wax my stepdad would put on. Lindsay in Minnesota, like, what What do you remember being the – was there not not different songs, but, like, was there one album or, for you, a cassette or an H or whatever, a CD? What was it that you played or you remember? Well, You're- the only Christmas song that I'm, like, obsessed with that came up in college, there's a Lady Gaga song called Christmas Tree that's super inappropriate, but it's hilarious. It's beautiful. But, so. Yeah, it, it's, a, it's a good time. But, you know, you got all the classics. It's it's Minnesota is a perfect kind of snow globe environment to grow up in. You get to go sledding, you go ice skating, all that. You have that 10-day break, maybe two weeks after uh, you get out of school. Like, it's a magical time. You know, it was a pretty little city. Uh, and, and there was an area, and I can never remember the road, but it's... It's a specific area, and it's across from, like, a, a marina or something, but there's, like, shops and this, but the way they decorated was Wyzetta. Oh, yeah. And there was a Rich little, people problems, Willie. Yeah, yeah I, well, yeah. I guess. I, I, I didn't live there. Why, right. It was yeah, a yeah, different Wyzetta then. Yeah, Willie watched from afar, so it's... No, I, I, we would go through there because I, I was part of an organization that I would... Right. Demolay. What about you? Do you remember... Do, do, you, do you have an LP? 
or a CD you know what? or an 8-track for you, old guy? It would never be uh, Santana. <laughs> it's always going to be Santana. <laughs> Put him on all year long. I'll play him. Um, for me, there was never like an album that we went to, but there was always like a movie playing in the background, maybe Home Alone, maybe Die Hard. Uh, you know, something Christmassy was, oh, was thrown up there. Lindsay's Die Hard a Christmas movie? Uh, I've never seen it, so I couldn't make a. Okay, you're fired. Card. I'm sorry. The Grinch, how the Grinch stole Christmas. The Jim Carrey one is the best Christmas movie barred on. It's, okay, it's it's the pinnacle of comedy. It is very good. It's you brilliant. are right. Jim Carrey nailed that character. Wallowing yeah. in shelf pity, stare yes. into the abyss. <laughs> Still get Lindsay. <laughs> for me, so for me, ever since uh, Jordan's mother and I, Jordan, my son. When his mother and I were together, this CD came out, and we would put this on every single winter. And I still love, I still have that CD, but now you don't need the CDs, right? You just throw on, uh, you just throw on that that station, I guess, on on one of the platforms, Spotify, Apple Music, whatever it yeah. is. But Boys to Men's Christmas Interpretations is fantastic. I absolutely love it. And there's an intro where they do a little acapella silent night and then it goes right into this song. Yeah. Mm. Nice little groove. Just want to get some hot chocolate going on. Oh, take maybe, off your scarf. Pat, yeah, stay a yeah, minute. Make, yeah. Maybe make some. Hang out. Make, make those some boots by the door. Throw make some, some Baileys in that hot chocolate. <laughs> make some love on a bearskin rug or Spot, something. Spiked okay, hot Pete cocoa. Davidson. Whoa. Whoa. <laughs> Spiked hot co- cocoa with the with the boys to men. But, so, yeah, I, I, I just wanted to, you know, sort of. I, I'm not throwing the flag, but I am. But I'm just kind of gr- I'm grinching it a little. I'm, getting, like, I'm just getting the frustrations out. Because it's the first week, second week of November. We're starting to hear more Christmas songs. And damn it, Mariah Carey's All I Want for Christmas is not it's the not. anthem. It's, it's not. not. It's got to stop. It's gotta, somebody's got to come along. Who it's can come the, along and take take this spot away from Mariah Carey's? What we got to get to the bottom. It's of. like the first big song that like capitalism could put in a machine and just churn it out at yes. a high level. Like literally, it's just because of the royalties. And now she's in on the bit. She talks about it all the time. She's like, the bank account, it's coming. The first day after Halloween, she tweeted, "It's officially Mariah season." Oh, see, and that just makes me more mad. Anti Mariah. Oh. Yes. It's officially. <laughs> it's, not even, it's not even the holiday season. It's not even Christmas season. It's Mariah season. Yeah, that well, makes me like stop that. Sounds stop about right it. for her evaluation, though, right? Uh, yeah, you're right. Yeah, exactly. We're talking super over the top diva. It's like, look, guys, go out there and love your neighbor, but it's about me. That <laughs> New Year's like, Rock and Eve performance uh, that she mailed in a couple of years ago is just. It's like the Fergie national anthem. Yeah, it's just holy cow. It was rough, and it, it, this is the thing. This is what. This is kind of what happens to. Especially like sex symbol R and B singers mm-hmm. like Mariah Carey. It's like the older you get, it's like if you don't. It's sad to say this, but if like if you don't die young, it's like Jeez. you go you go on and you go on and it's like then we just start watching you just kind of fall apart. And Mariah Carey, all this stuff that's been out in the news about her, and again tweeting out like it's Mariah's season. It's like Mariah. All right, look, America, we got to come together. We got to put a stop to Mariah's ruling over Christmas. Um, all right, so let's just take a sharp turn here um, away from Christmas. But I'm still going to play Grinch toward, um, well, Tom Brady. Did you see that Tom Brady said he watches Bill Belichick and the Patriots every week? Oh, I bet he does. 
Did you guys see this? No, I didn't know that. This yeah, is he, one of he, his he, things, Willie. You know it. Wow. Yeah, he came out and said that. Now, I, 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 I get it. I mean, I get it. Like, realistically, it's probably not the only thing that he watches. But he called his former head coach amazing during a recent episode of his podcast. Uh, does Tom miss Foxborough? Yeah, I, I'm sure he does. But did he say anything about Todd Bowles while doing it? I mean, it's like you, if you're going to throw, if you're going to compliment your old coach, you have to throw in a compliment for the current coach as well. No, well, you don't, apparently. You know, he gets, Brady called Belichick a great competitor and an amazing coach who prepares the team to win consistently. That's a knock on Bulls. Right? It has a to subliminal be. lens? Yeah, a little bit. But Belichick also stands up in his midweek press conferences before when he's talking about the opponents, and he just butters them up. He is, but they're the great. They have a great running game. This player is great. Like, I think Tom is watching. He gets off on it a little bit. I think I really do. He watches how other where he's been before and how they're performing. And obviously, the season hasn't turned out great for the Patriots either. And so, I think it's a little bit convenient for him at this point. But man, okay, what a weird ego he is. Right, but yeah. it, but it, but 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 you know what? If the if the reporters are throwing him softballs to get him buttered up, get him warmed up before they get into it, like you know, sometimes with Derek Carr. Now with Devontae, you know, like this week as they were walking to the podium, you know, uh, some of the guys, uh, Adam Hill, Paul Gutierrez wearing UNLV gear um, because they played Fresno State, those guys come, you know, little things like that. But when you engage and you're on a team that was that won the Super Bowl two years ago that was should have been or people thought should have been there last year. And now you're struggling in a down season. Mm -hmm. Okay, as disappointing as many other teams Including the Raiders, um, this, the comp, yes. Uh, do you watch? Do you, you know if they, it's, it's, if that's being asked? Uh, yeah, you know when I have a chance and uh, around what I'm trying to focus on here in Tampa Bay, I watch all the games. I you know I, he's got a lot of time on his hands. He's recently divorced, so he's he's got to kill, right. kill it somewhere yeah. Yeah, somehow. Well, why spend no time regrets, breaking? He said. Yeah, why spend time breaking down Buccaneers films when? <laughs> well, I can watch Patriots films. Right. And that, figure only, out what there's so doing. much garbage he can watch. Right, maybe he's watching the Patriots, and maybe he's watching something Bill Belichick is doing on the sidelines going, hey, Todd, look what he's doing right there. I mean, just giving you giving you some suggestions there. This is how Bill used to do it. Yeah. Todd's oh, going to show up in a cutoff sweatshirt in the next couple weeks. Right. So just watch no be, sleeves, that would, hood that up. That would be fantastic. Oh, that would be great. If, if, if Tom Brady shows up to one of his press conferences, with a cut hoodie. No, Bowles. I think oh, Bowles, Bowles does Bowles, it. Yeah. Bowles, like, <laughs> Bowles. I didn't hear you say Bowles. It starts, wow. It starts role doing, play on the sidelines. What can I say? Doing every press conference all curmudgeon the yes. way Belichick does. We're and, just like, oh. And leads off the pressure by saying, leads off his pressure by saying, well, I figured maybe I'd try to get some respect. Right, right. Yeah. I feel bad for Todd Bowles. I don't think it's all his fault, but he certainly needs to be a bigger part of the solution. Yeah. And that's always what happens. Like when you have a superstar like Tom Brady on your team and you're not producing, it's unfortunate because he's going to get – Tom Bowles is going to get way too much credit for the team underperforming than he mm-hmm. should. But still, there's expectations. Again, you're two years removed from winning a Super Bowl. Something's got to give. All right. Well, we've got Christmas songs and Tom Brady out of the way. We are going to cut away for a minute. But when we come back, we are going to be welcomed, I expect. He's supposed to be calling in. Fresh off of, hey, a run to the World Series. It is local hometown hero, 
Bryson Stott with Gooch and Willie on Throw the Flag, ESPN Las Vegas. On the ninth pitch, Stott comes through. The Phillies take the lead. What a battle from Bryson Stott. Fresh off a whirlwind season with the National League champion Philadelphia Phillies, it's former Desert Oasis and UNLV star Bryson Stott. You like to tie in there? I love it. And I'm rolling today with these rejoins. Are you kidding me? Little boys to men, Motown Philly. Of course, that was the sound of, man, you know, and he said, if you listen to the announcer, right, he said the ninth pitch with Bryson Stock, because that was one of the things, every time he came up to bat during the World Series, he was like, this kid just keeps battling pitches, nine pitches, ten pitches, eight pitches, eleven pitch at bats, whatever it may be, um, and really made a name for himself during his rookie year. We welcome him to the show, Gooch and Willie Treasure Island, throwing the flag on ESPN Las Vegas. My guy, Bryson Stott, welcome to the show. Thank you, guys. Thanks for having me. How's things going? Have you come down from cloud nine yet? Let me just let's just ask you that right off the bat. Um, I mean, not really. Um, just kind of reflecting on the year still, and um, kind of taking in everything that happened. So, how quickly can next season get here? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I wish it started tomorrow. <laughs> Even after all that, even after the whole season, I mean, obviously, you, you, you know, you put in a lot of work, but you're still ready to go tomorrow if it, if it could happen. Yeah, I mean, just the guys that we have and um, just the, the whole aspect of the team and, and the atmospheres that we were playing in was, was awesome. And, you know, and this is, this is, I mean, you're a story that I can fully appreciate in terms of just what you've gone through, especially the pandemic year. Um, if we could touch on that really quick. Um, and you and I had a chance to talk, and, and everything went from nothing to, boom, sports was back. And the one project that I was trying to work on, I never got a chance to complete. But you and I had a Zoom session during the pandemic. Um, you go out to Florida, and ju- the day before, I believe, official um, spring uh, training camp, and the pandemic hits. And you, you lost that entire year. And you, I mean, you found ways sort of going back to the roots of just getting out and going to the field and fielding balls and in the backyard you know uh where you came from from 2020 to this year what you know do how do you put that all in perspective bryson yeah i mean it it was uh not a good time for for anybody and um just kind of moved everything back a year so um i mean that that was the worst part for for me and, and guys in, in my position was, I mean, you want to get to the big leagues as, as fast as you can, and um, something like that happens, and it kind of puts everything on hold, and um, you just kind of lose a year, and um, you get a year older and everything like that. So um, just kind of going out and, and doing my thing on my own was, was big. And it paid off, obviously, because, I mean, last year you, you eventually made your way, you know, to the club, and then, you know, and then this year, um, you start off, uh, Girardi has you in there, and then a little bit of a sluggish start. It was a, it was a fantastic uh, opener. I remember s- seeing Mom, and, and I know we had Paul, uh, Coach Bluebolts on, on the show at the beginning of the season after being there for, you know, for your debut, but um, your season debut, I should say. Um, and then a dip down to the minors, and then you come back. 
and then you make this run to the World Series. We've been calling the Phils during the postseason. We've been calling the Las Vegas Phillies here on ESPN with you and Bryce representing the city so well. What was the sense of pride like playing for not only a sports town like Philly, right? I mean, one of the most passionate sports fan bases in the country. But in knowing that Vegas has become such a pro sports town in your backyard, that sense of pride for you and Bryce. Yeah, I mean, we would just kind of – talk about it and just see all the, the support we were getting back home. And, um, I mean, like you said, Philadelphia is, is, I mean, I think the best sports town in, in America and, um, playing for them and then seeing all the, uh, support that we were getting from, from so far away in, in Las Vegas was, was really special. ESPN Las Vegas. We're speaking with Bryson Stott, Philadelphia Phillies and Las Vegas local and growing up in Vegas, you know, obviously during the summertime, it's 120 during the summer. And when practice would be over, how would you find time to get more work in? Because obviously you had to be putting in more work than everybody else in order for you to have the success that you're having. Yeah, I mean, just kind of going to, to D.O. And, and playing for B, you were playing nonstop. So um, the 45, 50 games in the fall and winter and then um, – our spring season and then the 60 to 70 games in, in the summer. Um, it was just nonstop. And, um, I mean, you were playing every single day. So if you ever felt like you were, you were off or, or whatever, we always had cages open and, and stuff like that to go get that extra work if you needed it. So, you know, and baseball managers and hitting coaches are obviously needed to get the most out of an athlete. Uh, but what does your inner drive have to be like in order for in order for an athlete to be great, I mean, you had to have seen, especially you know, coming up in high school, you had to have looked to your left, looked to your right, and realized that some other guys just weren't. They were talking a big game, but some other guys just were not putting in the work that you were putting in. I mean, is that just something that you were born with, or is this something that was instilled in you? Um, I mean, I think just playing sports my my whole life. Um, I mean, I was never the best growing up. Um, I mean, I always played up, um, up an age group to, to try to get better and um, face older kids and just kind of see what it was like. And then um, when I turned 12 is when I started playing in my own age group, and, and that's when I kind of realized that, that I was good and um, that I wanted to, to be a professional baseball player and I never wanted to be in an office. So um, just kind of having that mindset is I don't want to sit at a desk. I want to play a game and um, – play it as long as I can. It just made me want to work um, that much harder. Speaking with Bryson Stott of the Philadelphia Phillies, former DO and UNLV star and a member of the USA Collegiate Baseball team. So, Bryson, um, one of the things that we kept bringing up also during the postseason was your relationship with Bryce. And here's the thing. I, I fully believe, like I, I said, I don't know if Bryson has those mini tears that you went on, those clutch hits that you came on, some walk-off shots. I don't know how much sort of, you know, not getting in your head and, and being able to stay mentally clear that you would, if you were in another city, right, enduring different lulls if you didn't have Bryce there. But here's the other thing, two-part question for you. Bryce seems so much happier, so much more content, so much he looked like he was having fun again with Philadelphia. And part of that, I somewhat believe, was your presence in his life every single day. You guys are great. People don't realize you're not just teammates or he's like a big brother. You've traveled together. You've gone on vacation together. How much did you each being there for one another help the other? 
Yeah, I mean, I, I just think it's, it's big. I mean, I don't know many people that, that get to play with one of their best friends at, at the highest level. So um, just kind of knowing you have, I mean, obviously we got to the field and um, we were teammates and treated every teammate the same and um, all that, but just kind of hanging out off the field. And um, I mean, I lived with them and <clears throat> I lived with them in the playoffs and um, through those last couple weeks of the season. And um, just kind of having your best friend um, to, to hang out with and kind of disconnect from, from baseball was, was huge. So, Bryson, I want to talk about the, the story that sort of went viral. You leaving the NLCS tickets for the Phillies fan who lost his father uh, to cancer. I know that there, there was a, some video of you being interviewed on the field, I believe, be, before pregame. And, and, you know, you went on there and you talked about, you, know, you said, well, yeah, I wanted to, you saw that tweet or you saw the po- social media and you're like, cancer sucks. And this is, but what, you know, there's a lot of people that don't understand why that touches your heart. Um, and, and I'll let you sort of explain it and, 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 and tell the people, but, you know, I'll never forget yours and mine's conversation. And one of the last things that was said to you with, with the story you're about to tell us, the person you're about to tell, talk about that you somewhat dedicate a good portion of your professional career, one of the last things he told you was, before being called home was, you're going to do this. You're going to, you know, don't give up on your dream. You're going to be a Major League Baseball player. Why was that so important, even further than what people know, to leave tickets for that man? Yeah, I mean, just kind of um, losing a best friend at, at such a young age. And um, obviously we're in high school and, and you have all these, these big dreams and um, I mean Cooper said he was going to the NBA and I was going to the MLB and um, just kind of hearing him say that his his kind of last one of his last messages to me was um, big knowing I'm the the one that's gonna be around to to hopefully make our dreams come true was was big and uh, yeah I saw his that guy's tweet and um, I mean I know how bad and, and how much you go through when you lose someone so close to you um i mean i'm in a position now that that i can help people and um i mean i have the platform to to do it so um i mean i never really lose lose sight of um how bad cancer is and um just kind of getting it out there to, to everyone in the world to to see and um i think cancer is a, a thing that um kind of sometimes gets gets overlooked and um, I mean, I try my best to, to make sure that doesn't happen. Well, and I'll never forget, I mean, you are somebody that never loses sight of kindness, I mean, and, and remembering where you came from. And I know a big part of that comes from your mother, Shanna, you know, who, I mean, is your biggest fan. And we know what she meant, means to this uh, school district, right? And she's still an educator at El Dorado and, and, and just the kids that they just love her, to, you know, I mean, and, and I know when the pandemic hit, Right. And, and you were sent home and you know what I went through and you were one of the first persons to reach out. Hey, is there anything I can do? And, you know, did did a part, did a little bit of a part. I mean, there were a lot of people that came through, but this is just a part of your genetic code is kindness and family. And um, one day I made a comment to your mom and she, she texted me back. She said, that's what that's just Bryson. That's just what's embedded in all of my kids. And that's something that they'll always live by. And that's what's important to them. Yeah, I mean, um, I think your family is, is the number one thing in your life. And, um, 
I mean, that's who you're, you're born to and, and that's who brings you up and um, kind of raises you. And um, I mean, my sister and my brother, like, like she said, they're the, the same people. So, um, I mean, just like I said, having, having the platform that I do and um, being able to, to be there for, for people and um, just kind of, I mean, you have someone that says, look at this MLB player taking his time and, um, I mean, kind of bringing awareness to, to certain situations. Um, I mean, that means, I mean, I think anyone could do it. And, um, I mean, I think you always should care for people and, and be there for, for strangers, um, your close friends, your, your close family friends. Um, I think you could just be there for, for anybody. And, you know, it was kind of cool. We're speaking with Bryson Stott, ESPN Las Vegas, throwing the flag, Gooch and Willie. Hey, what, last night on your, on your Instagram story, where were you last night? Watching your alma mater. But more importantly, you're turned into the fan that, of your sister, a three-time national champion cheerleader, Bree, cheering last night for the Rebels. She's back for, I think, her fifth year. Um, picked up her COVID, you know, her option, uh, option year on that. And, uh, but I love the fact that whenever you get a chance, when you've been back, that you're right there like they are for you. You become a fan of, of Bree when she's cheering. Yeah, I mean, I think it's just um, the least I could do. And, um, I mean, it's just a drive for me. But they were taking six-hour flights and <laughs> yeah. um, sitting through airports and, and taking Uber, Uber rides to, to fields and um, doing all that for me. So, um, I mean, it's just an easy way to – to pay her back, and I mean, I know she loves it when when we're all there watching. And um, I mean, I, I sometimes just catch myself watching her do her backflips and, and stuff rather than than the game that's on the field. So I mean, I think it's pretty cool. That's awesome, Bryson. I appreciate you taking some time this morning. Um, couldn't wait to get you on. I, I wanted to be. I'm not sure how many. I'm sure you've done tons of interviews, but I wanted to make sure we tried to get be one of the first ones since you returned from. The run to the World Series, of course, we were all pulling for you. You know, we took our journalism hats off. We were pulling for you and became Philadelphia Phillies fans. Uh, so I appreciate your time. I uh, And don't forget that the open invitation during the offseason to get into the perfect gym and come hang out and do a <laughs> workout in there is always always welcome to come down and, and check it out. So I appreciate you, Bryson. Welcome home. Get some rest because I know you're gearing up for a huge second season with the Phillies. Absolutely. Thank you, guys. Thanks for having me. All right. I'll talk to you soon. There he is. National League champion from the Philadelphia Phillies, Bryson Stott, local hometown hero. And great guy. Oh, dude. What an amazing guy. It's, I, I can't even begin to tell you. Um, they they just did this day and age, this era of professional athlete. It's 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 not Bryson Stott. He's he's an old school, you know, mindset um, with a fantastic family mindset. Um, you know, and he just, he had, and Greg Maddox told me this years ago before he got drafted. Greg Maddox told me, he said, the thing that's going to make this kid is not his talent on the field. That's all natural that he's worked for that. It's his mindset that he doesn't think like a pro athlete. He just, he just goes about his business. He's not gotten caught up into it. He's not in his own head. There's something about a pro athlete that has worked his butt off to get to where he's at, but then to have the, the attitude of like, I'm just happy to be here guys. Yeah. You know, and it's like, you know, he, it's almost like 
wait, wait, you, you know you should be here, right? He's like, oh, I, I mean, I should be here, but I'm also happy to be here. He's living the dream. When you he's, have, he's doing it well. When you, when you make that your attitude, you will go so far in life no matter what you set your, your sights on. All right, well, we're going to finish things up, close it out. We're going to talk some old Vegas. Where my old Vegas peeps at when we get back on throwing the flag. Treasure Island Gold Trickle Sportsbook and Bar with Gooch and Willie on ESPN Las Vegas. How do I say the final flag. That's right. Boys to Men's been well represented. It has. Today. It's hard to say goodbye. I love doing this show. I only get to do it one day a week. It tugs on my heartstrings. And I wanted a song that could convey that, Willie. Throw the flag back again. ESPN Radio live from the Golden Circle Sportsbook, Treasure Island. It's time for the final flag. This is where we wrap things Lindsay's up. got a look on her face like this corny guy. Jeez. Corny guy, what are you talking about? Just a lot of stuff that I'm not super familiar with. But you know what? It's not my show. I'm just here to steer the boat. It's your guys' job to decorate it. Well, then what's your goodbye song then? Well, that's a great question. I'll have to let you know when I get my All show. All right. Get it going. How, how, about, how about this? Why don't we get some song requests from Lindsay for next week for, like, the, the staple mark segments? And she has it. Has she? Shouldn't she get an input once or twice? I think so. Have I, I think earned so. it yet? Hey, look, you've made you've made your 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 presence felt many times on this show. I think you deserve a couple of songs to go. And then plus two, I want to know what kind of music you're into, so we can make fun of it. Oh, so, so I mean, we're doing well, a true you, representation of my music taste, or what I, people want to hear. I want a true representation because look, we want Professor Brown's thoughts. Yes. Oh boy, musical a lot thoughts. of headbangers, not a lot of lyrics. Uh, I'm, well, now you're, now with you're me. talking Gucci's language. Now yeah, you're talking here we me. Go. You, me, Steely Dan. Let's make it work. Yeah. Oh boy. <laughs> I'm here All right, for so it. so so before we go, you know what else is hard to say goodbye to? Hmm. Old Las Vegas. And here's the thing. This is not old Vegas to me, but to old to some, the Mirage's iconic volcano will soon be demolished. I remember that was when I first moved That's, to Las Vegas. That was one of the biggest things. My parents yeah. were like, let's go check out the volcano. And I just thought that was amazing. There was fire on the water. I didn't even think you could do well, that. Well, it's, go, it's going on 33 years old. November 22nd, 1989, that place opened. That was considered the first resort of Las Vegas. Right. That was considered. So, you know, you had like the Rio opened and uh, no, the Mirage opened and you had the that was the first resort. The Rio opened and gave us the uh, the Voodoo Lounge and the very first hotel nightclub ever, Club Rio. And then all of a sudden it just goes boom, 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 boom. And everything, you know, the, the whole show that Steve Wynn put on from Treasure Island, firing the cannon at grand opening on live TV, down toward, like, acting as if the cannonball was going down. and demol- to, the dunes. It, to the dunes. It imploded the dunes, and then he built the Bellagio. But the Mirage, man, um... It's soon going to be become part of Hard Rock, right? The Hard Rock. Right, yeah. And the volcano is going away. The volcano is going away. And I'll, I'll tell you this. One thing I thought was taken out a long time ago, but it's still there, is the Siegfried and Roy statue. No, that's not going to go anywhere. I, I, I don't know what they're going to do with it, but, I mean, what they wouldn't, they're not going to move that. I would imagine I they mean, would, maybe now they might. But yeah, I would imagine they would put that somewhere. I don't think they would demolish the statue, but I thought maybe they would move it. You know, because, I mean, how, when's the last time Siegfried and Roy performed in Vegas? It's been years. 
Yeah, well, I would know. say maybe what 13, 14 years, maybe since that since Roy got mauled. Yeah, since that awful time. Yeah. yeah, it's been a good minute, but it's just like, but again, it's, it's it is nuts though because they haven't been here in a while, and you still think Las Vegas for me anyway. I still think Siegfried and Roy. I still think the Riviera Splash Show. I sure. still think there's certain things that when I think of Las Vegas, especially right when I came here, like the way the lights were set up at the Flamingo. I just remember being you know, blown away well, by you know the Barbary what? Coast. The young lady that I was with last night that we went to Angela because it's the only person I know that loves Angela Johnson Reyes as much as I do. So I was like, let's have a let's have a Pops Mel night. So I took Melanie. We went to the show, and I was explaining to her the look of the showroom, even though it's theater style, how booths used to be laid out. Headliners were here for two weeks. There was an 8 o'clock show and a 10 o'clock show. You showed up at 6.30. The doors open. You had dinner for the early show. It meant something to go to a show back in old Vegas. I miss old Las Vegas. But... As the boys to men takes us out with, of course, one of the greatest Christmas interpretations. Hey, don't forget to join me tomorrow, Sunday football preview show at the Westgate on ESPN Las Vegas. I will be going live 8 to 9, and then we have Gooch. I'll be there 9 to noon inside the International Theater. Free to get in, smoke-free environment, free parking. Amazing place to watch. So don't miss out. Hey, thanks to our guest, VGK ringside reporter Ashley Weiss. AP Sports reporter Mark Anderson and Philadelphia Philly Bryson Stott. Another fantastic show, of course. Big thanks to Mateo holding it down over here to my left. Quarterback in the show, downtown, Professor Lindsey Brown, Doug Marsh in the background. We'll see you next Saturday. Throwing the flag, Treasure Island, ESPN Las Vegas.